Good morning. How are you guys doing today? You guys doing good? Awesome. Thank you so much. I am happy to be in the house of the Lord. Amazing worship experience already. Uh, I cannot wait to talk to you today. I can't wait to share with you. Uh, my name is Nate. If we've never met, it probably means you don't have a little one, all right? Because I usually get uh, uh, sequestered because uh, that's all the exciting stuff over here uh, in our uh, kids' wing uh, each and every week. But I am so excited to be here today. I'm so thankful that Pastor Mike uh, invited me to come speak today. Uh, I cannot wait to share what's on my heart uh, and then also what's from God's word. Uh, so, so we're going to dive into that. So I want to open in prayer, all right? Uh, Lord Jesus, thank you for today. Thank you for, for, for these people that are both online and, and right here in the room. Pray today that they hear the word of God, that I am, that I am out of the way. And that, and that your name is proclaimed. It's in your precious name I pray today. Amen. If you have been here for the last few weeks or you've been able to, to uh, catch up here or there, you know that our theme is family vacation. And we've been walking through just different aspects of that, all right? So our first week, we talked about our destination, right? And no family vacation is complete without knowing where you're going. In fact, that's usually the first question for most people, right? Okay, where are we going, right? And then last week, Pastor Mike challenged us to examine how we're going to get there. In fact, he really talked about where we are now, right? Like, knowing where you are is the first step to getting to where you want to go, right? You have to find that location in order to get through it. And, and really challenged us to live a life examined. Challenged us to find that spot and uh, uh, just discover those. Uh, I will invite you, if you haven't caught up on those two messages. We have an amazing podcast. You can listen to it anytime. You can also watch it online. Uh, so be sure to check those two pieces out. But today's message, I'm really excited about because today's message is really not just where we are or where we're going, but how we're going to get there. And really, it is, it is all about a guide to our travels, all right? So a guide to our travels, what we need along the way. I don't know how you are with directions, uh, I know there's usually two big categories of people, right? Some people that just feel the wind, you know, and know which way to go, right? Uh, and, and, then, and then some people that could not tell you how to get out of this room uh, uh, very accurately or where they parked the car, right? Like, like, and then the most of us, you know, somewhere in the middle, right? We know where we go usually, right? But when we're going to a new place, we sometimes need a new tool, and, and we need to know how to get there. In fact, we need a guide, uh, and, and that pathway, that pathway kind of takes us on a different way. Well, when I was growing up, when I was growing up, my parents had something in the car with them wherever we went, right? Uh, you may already know the word. Uh, if you're below the age, I don't know, of uh, definitely below 35, uh, uh, you may not know this, you may know this, but, but uh, this is, does anybody know what this is? All right, this is a big boy, okay? All right, this is, listen, this is the 2023, all right? It, the year hasn't even come yet, all right? But they got maps for it. I got maps for it. This is a book of maps. This book is called an atlas, all right? An atlas. My kids downstairs would, would look at me like they wouldn't know what a VCR tape is, all right? So, so right here, this, this bad boy lives and still lives. There's still one in my parents' car. They wouldn't let me have it, all right? Uh, it lives in the back seat of their car all the time. And when I was, when I was riding along, uh, we didn't have the cool infotainment systems, all right? This is what entertained us after counting cows, you know, right? Right after not looking at my brother or poking my brother too many times and, you know, getting yelled at for that, right? I popped open the atlas. But I remember even as a kid, the way we got through this is my dad would start our trip, maybe the night before or even before that. He would sit down at the kitchen table and he would flip it open and he would see our destination, right? And then he would obviously find where we're at. 
And he would even walk me through sometimes what states we're going to go through, what major highways we might take. But it was all about the planning part, right? But then he would do something right when we got in the car. He would double-check everything, right? Right? You got all the kids, one, two, perfect. Right? You got all the stuff, okay, good, right? There's nothing behind us. Uh, you know, the roof rack is on the outside. And where's the atlas, right? Where's the atlas? Because he knew, just like we know, we need it as we go, Right? This book is actually the most helpful, not at home for planning, but it's the most helpful for when we're going and when we get lost, right? When we get lost, this book came into play, and I don't know if we got lost a lot, or my dad's just good at playing it off, all right? But, but he, would, he would say something along the lines of, uh, hey, hey, could you just kind of see where we're at? We just passed this city, or we just has this marker, probably because I asked how much further, okay? Uh, but somewhere in there, he would say, hey, could you open that up? Could you see where we're at? And I had to figure out, I had to, the big word is orienteer, right? I had to find out where I was and find out where we were going and discover the places in between. In fact, even before we got started, Pastor Mike was looking at, at the Alabama map and he started pointing at all the little towns he's been to, right? So it's kind of even a cool memory part of it. But this is not what we really use anymore, even though they keep making them, right? They probably don't print as many as they do. Uh, we, we use something called what now? GPS, right? It doesn't, like, it would be a little thing on your dash, but the majority of us probably use it off of our, our phones. Yeah, right? Like our phone knows where it's going uh, magically uh, somehow. Uh, and we use those apps to help us know. But there's a lot in there that help us go. Uh, as a person that has not lived here for very long, I've only lived here for about five years, lived in Alabama for 10, right? I often don't know where I'm going. And so if somebody starts telling me directions, I go, oh, thank you. Could you give me the address? Right? Oh, that's amazing. Yeah, you turn by the Circle K and you go around the tree and the awesome. Could you just give me the address? You know? Right? And then they give it, and then all I do is just ding, 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 ding. Okay, cool. And it tells me where to go. In fact, it might even have a couple of routes to get there, right? Well, you may, you may clearly and quickly get to this part, right? But the Word of God is like that. Okay? The Word of God is exactly like that. It can't be just for planning. It can't be just for at home it has to be with us. In fact, it's made like that. It's a guide for as we walk, not a guide for just to be kept on the shelf or just to be kept away. All right, so, so, so as we walk through these things, our, our first big thing is that it is a guide, okay? It's a guide, right? If you fill it out, listen, there's a special place in heaven for those that fill out note cards. Uh, uh, no, uh, it, it's exactly next to everybody else, okay? Yeah, so... Um, Sorry, that's a good joke, right? Uh, but it's made to go, and it's made to, to be carried. In fact, the Bible speaks of itself like this. It says, your word is a lamp to guide my feet and a light for my path. It's as I go, not as I sit or as I wait. You don't leave a lamp at home and hope, hope it lights the road. You take it with you, right? You carry it with you. It's a part of the plan. Obviously, we don't walk in the dark as much, right? I think we could easily imagine when darkness happens, we are looking for headlights. We're looking for flashlights. That's what the Bible can do when we're in the darkness, when we're in the spot where we can't find our way. But it's a tool for us to use, and it begs to be used. This tool begs us to say, hey, listen, you have to use me. You have to get to working. In fact, it begs us to master it over just owning it. Now, now, you may own a Bible. You may have a Bible with you today. You may have one sitting on your shelf. In fact, there's some amazing statistics, all right? 100 million Bibles are printed a year. 100 million Bibles. 
25% of that goes right to the United States. In fact, in the U.S. alone, 168,000 Bibles are either bought or given away every single day. Wow, every single day. 92% of Americans own at least one Bible. Two-thirds, two-thirds of those people that own that Bible believe that it holds the meaning of life. All right, we're on a good pathway, right? Amen, right? The average American actually owns nine Bibles and still wants to purchase more. In fact, that's why the Bible is left off every single bestseller list, because it would be number one every time. It would never, ever lose that spot. Billboard, forget it, right? It would be number one each and every time, because the Bible is big, but owning it is not enough. Owning it's not enough. You may have the best-looking toolbox in the nation, all right? You may have it perfectly laid out. You may even have a cool tool wall where you do that crazy crime scene thing, right, where you outline all the tools, right, on your pegboard, and you hang them, and you're like, ah. And it looks great. But is it useful? No, right? The ones that are greasy, the ones that are turning things, that's what actually fixes stuff and changes stuff. Tools demand mastery. Mastery means experience, right? I can buy the exact same equipment of a master builder, a master craftsman that does not make me one. In fact, usually when you roll across those guys, they're just using simple stuff, right? They're using just a hammer that you can buy off of any store, any place. And yet what they build with it is beautiful and amazing. Why? Because they've mastered that tool. They know when to use it how to use it. Okay, but that illustration kicks, right? That, that illustration works through. It's awesome, except that's not, that's not really all the Bible, because the Bible is more, ooh, ooh, man, the Bible's almost flying here. The Bible is more than just a tool. The Bible is a living, breathing creature. It's a living, breathing thing. It continues to push, right? And it is for us not to use, but to witness its power. What's the Bible called a lot, right? God's word. God's word. Now, that, that alone, I think if we can start turning ourselves a little bit around on that and say God's word, what does God's word really mean? And what does that does, right? We are to bear the witness of God's word going forth, not like a tool. This thing will actually last forever. This is what it says about it. It says, the grass withers and the, fow- and the flowers fade, but the word of the Lord stands forever. I have bought multiple hammers in my life. They eventually break, right? Usually for me trying to master them, right? The word of God stands forever, ever. Now, I know a lot of us have grass weathering right now, all right? But it is not a piece of that because this, this stands beyond time. In fact, the Bible speaks to itself in deeper ways. It is so powerful. It is so powerful that even evil men and women use it against others, right? They take snippets of it, and they turn it, and they say, oh, I'm the second coming. I'm Jesus, right? They talk about themselves like they're the fulfillment of scripture. It's so powerful that others can even use it to lure people away. That's how big and strong it is, but what the word of the Lord actually does is more than just what is in here, because you see, it's the same word that created the world. The concepts in Genesis 1-3 God said, let there be light. Not let there be just the sun. That comes later. Not let there be just the stars. 
Let there be the concept, the concept of light and dark. He said it. The word of God said it. It's also from the beginning of time. John 1.1 says, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. Right? The word was God. So this is changing completely. It's not a book anymore, right? It's this, it's this bigger thing. In fact, in Hebrews 4.12, it says it is living and active. There's, that word, those two words, has been translated a bunch of different ways through a bunch of different translations, all right? So the King James says it is quick and powerful. Quick and powerful. That is fantastic, right? right? The NLT says that it is active and alive, right? The, the Christian standard says it is effective, effective. That means it's not just sitting on the shelf, though we may keep it there. God's word is piercing through it. In fact, that verse goes on to say it is sharper than any two-edged sword. Now, we don't experience swords a lot, but it is the weapon of the writers then. It is the weapon. It's just an illustration. Don't get caught on it. But it's sharper than any two-edged sword dividing between bone and marrow. All right? Obviously, we can separate that. We can imagine that. But what about this one? Soul and spirit. I think you might need a philosophy degree, right, to tell me the difference between those two, right? But the word of God can do it. It can go through it. It is sharper than any two-edged sword. But its power is in its use, not in just its ownership, right? We're going to dive into a story that's enough facts, that's enough figures, all right? We're going to dive into a story, and it's a story about, oh, there we go. In the same way, I'm so sorry, in the same way, the word of the Lord will continue. My word, that's not mine, that's God's, right? Is sent out and always produces fruit. It will accomplish all I want it to, and it will prosper everywhere I send it. I always tell the kids this, God does not exaggerate. God doesn't exaggerate. All right? I might exaggerate. Your mom might exaggerate. Somebody's trying to sell you a car might exaggerate. All right? God does not exaggerate. He says always and everywhere and will. We use those words, you know, flippantly, right? Oh, yeah, I'll, oh, yeah, yeah, I'll always show up. Oh, yeah, I'll always be there. Oh, yeah, I will do that. He has the power and the might and all of the knowledge he can't lose by a flat tire, all right? He can't miss a bus. He is able, and he promises he will. That's the word of God we're talking about here. Wouldn't you want that on your side as you go through this path? Wouldn't you want to push that? The story today, uh, yeah, the story today is about one of my favorite kings, King Josiah. If you have your Bible, you can look it up. You can look it up on your phone, the glow, all right, of the Holy Spirit, right? Or you can turn the pages in 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 your more physical Bible, or, or even just follow along. I will have the verses with us that we need to see, all right? But as we look through this, I want you to hear a story about a man, a man that chooses and he responds to the word of God. King Josiah was just eight, all right? He was just eight years old when he became king. In fact, in his time, the kingdom had split. King, the, the Israel kingdom had split between the northern and southern kingdom. And he was in charge, he was a king over Judah, had just two tribes left of the 12. And in this time, Israel had already been taken by the Assyrians. So literally, King Josiah was in charge of the only standing kingdom left of God's people, the remnant, if you will. But he did have one thing, a crowning achievement, he had Jerusalem. And Jerusalem is 
where the temple of God is. It's where King Solomon built it and King David commissioned it, right? That's the same King David that the line of David comes to that eventually, so, so King, King Josiah is the great, great, great whatever of Jesus, all right? This is a line going all the way to Jesus. And that, that gets me excited. But his personal time, when he was eight years old, his dad, that had only been reigning for two years, Amon, died. He was overtaken. Before those two years, his grandfather, 55 years he ruled, was overtaken. But both of them did evil in the sight of the Lord. Both of them chose not to follow God's way. So Josiah is standing here losing his father and his grandfather at eight years old. I don't know about you, but I can imagine that that might shape a person. That might shape you. You might even have had that story in your life where you lose something significant at the beginning, right? It shapes you, and, and, and I think you really only have two paths, right, to do the same or to do the opposite. And I think Josiah lived in that. He was actually doing pretty well, all right? So, so he wasn't like his grandfather or father. I don't know. Maybe he even thought, I don't want to end up like them, right? Simple, right? Maybe he even thought, I don't want to go that. In fact, as he was growing up, his eighth year, his 16-year-old, he decided the, the chronicler, all right, so, so in Chronicles, speaks of him that he wants to seek the God of David, all right? By his 12th year of reign, that means he's 20, he removes some of the false places, all right, some of the false places around Jerusalem. He starts taking away the false gods, okay? But his 18th year of reign, this is where we're going to pick up. His 18th year of reign, he's repairing the temple, and he's getting them to get the silver out, and he's getting them to work together, and they find this scroll. They find this scroll sitting in there, and they open it, and it's the book of the law. The book of the law that says this or that. You see, Josiah was living in God's chosen kingdom without God's word. He was alone with this, and he was just trying his best. He was just a kid, literally, trying to do his best, and he knew what he didn't want to do. But he really had no way to get to what he wanted to do. And so, and so we walk through this, and we, and, and, we, and we pick up in a certain moment, but when he read when he heard the scriptures, when he read the scriptures, he did something. He heard and acted to God's word. We're going to read this verse together, okay? This is, what, this is what happened when he heard God's word. When the king heard what was written in the book of the law, he tore his clothes in despair. Now, this is a man standing there as king. This is his. This is the first time, truly, he's heard the word of God. He hears the truth, and what does he do? He actually responds appropriately. No one was his example. No one was standing around him saying, hey, buddy, what you should do next is tear your clothes. No one. He, he let it be led by God. He sought after what God had to do. He put that into it. Now, now obviously, being in that position, he acted even further, and he, and he sent out messengers, right? He sent out messengers. He sought clarity from wise resources. He went to a prophetess that was of God, she was following God's word. She was being of God, a messenger of God, and asked, what does this mean? What is coming our way? He didn't say, hey, I'm doing better than my mom and dad. I'm doing better than all of them. You know, I mean, God says some things, but like, what does it really mean? No, he said, please tell us. I have read it, and I know I am wrong. Tell me how to fix it. 
tell me how to pursue what is right. She gave him two words. The first one is not a great one. Consequences are real. She said, destruction is still coming for the people. Their sin must be paid. That's the same thing we have. I think sometimes we realize that we can kind of skirt it, we want to go around it, but here's the secret, and we'll, we'll talk about it, talk about it again, but the, the truth of the matter is for the need of Jesus to come, there must be a real need for saving, right? A lifeguard's not really doing their duty if you're not really drowning, right? So the word of God said, one, no, consequences are coming. But the second word, the second word was hopeful for just Josiah. He said, or excuse me, she said, because you have decided to humble yourself and seek after God, you will not see this destruction happen. In fact, she even gave him something that kings around the world wanted. Now, it may seem weird to you, but that he will be buried in peace with his forefathers. This is the highest honor because when they sacked a place, when they destroyed a city, they left those. Why? Because they wanted their kingdom to be left like that too. Right? They would burn everything else and leave that king's gravesite. That means his grave wouldn't be desecrated. The highest honor you could possibly achieve for while still paying your penalty. Basically, he gained some sort of salvation in that moment. Some sort of remnants that you will not see that destruction. That means your whole reign, your whole reign will be better. So what did he do? Well, before we get there, it's the way he applied the truths that matter. He chose to respond in a way that wasn't high and mighty or deserving in fact, he chose, the word is humble. And you may have a different view of humble. You may have a different uh, scope of what humble means. But really, when it gets down to it, it's thinking of others more than yourself. It's thinking that you'd actually deserve only what you've earned. And I think, okay, that kind of makes sense when we're with everybody else, right? When we're with humans. But there's one phrase that always has sung to me. When it comes to Jesus, when it comes to God, there's only two parties. There is us and him. We do not send a measure to the goodness of Christ. We don't send a measure to the goodness of God. So when we sit on this side, we can't come with anything but you are great and you are awesome and you are amazing and you are special. And we praise you for that. That should be the only response we have. And that's what King Josiah did. So he responded like that, but he responded in an appropriate manner. So what, but he came back and he acted again. He, in fact, he came back to the people and he did something amazing. He reformed himself, right? But then he started reforming his circle of responsibility, the people he was in charge of. We pick up reading in 2 Kings 23. The king summoned all of the elders of Judah in Jerusalem. And the king went up to the temple of the Lord with all of the people of Judah in Jerusalem, along with the priests and the prophets. All of the people from the least to the greatest. There the king read to them the entire book of the covenant that had been found in the Lord's temple. The king took his place of authority beside the pillar. That's beside the thing that represents God, okay? Not in front of it, but beside it. And renewed the covenant to the Lord's presence. He pledged to obey the Lord by keeping all of his commands, laws, and decrees with all of his heart and with all of his soul. 
In this way, he confirmed all of the terms of the covenant that were written in the scroll, and all the people pledged themselves to the covenant. There's so much here. Each one of us have a choice. Each child, each mother, each father have an individual choice. You cannot make a choice for another. Josiah made the choice by himself to stand with God, to say, I will do this. And he renewed the covenant that had not been kept, that had led to destruction. He renewed the covenant in himself and said, I will serve it with all of my heart and all of my soul. He he, he confessed his sins and said, you are in charge of my life. And then he led the people around him to do the same. From what? The greatest to the least. I love the word led there because I don't think he forced them. This is not from other parts of the Bible where you hear that somebody made somebody bow down. I, I picture a beautiful thing where he goes and he talks to them not convincing them with eloquent speech, but telling them the truth, and they respond to it. He waited for everybody to come together and led them. It's the reason why we meet each and every week, is we feel that the call upon this church and a call upon ourselves is to reach all, to continue reaching, continue pushing forward from the least to the greatest. There is no, there is no ranking system to God. We are all in his debt, and we all need him. So what does he do? He goes and reforms the place. Okay, great, everyone, everyone agrees to follow the new path. Woohoo! Just in the same way your GPS, just in the same way your atlas, you actually have to follow the directions, right? You have to not go, oh, I'm gonna go this way, oh, I'm gonna go that way. No, no, you have to actually follow it, all right? In fact, he started, he started to work, all right? All right, he started to work. He's destroying false shrines, all right? In fact, he even goes to the point where he goes to the northern kingdom, the part that's controlled by the Syria, used to be God's kingdom. He goes to Samaria and to Bethel and destroys those false gods, restoring back what God has made. He got rid of everything around the temple, everything in his control. And then he went off and said, well, God, you claim that too? We'll take care of that. Then he went on restoring godly living. In first... In the, in the later chapter, he replants the Passover. All right, he goes back to the Passover. But listen, that may sound traditional to you. You may even start applying that in a way. This is not traditions. This is commandments. All right? God, is, God does not care about traditions. God cares about commandments. How we carry that out can become a tradition. And that's okay as long as the tradition matches the commandment, Right? He restored the Passover. He put that back into place. You may go on, what's the Passover? It's a moment where God protected just his people and destroyed those that were against him, freeing them from slavery, from an evil man named Pharaoh, giving them the promised land. It's the beginning of the promised land discussion. The thing that Josiah is now cleaning up is the thing that was given. He's going all the way back to the beginning. All the way back to the beginning. Then he goes on, and he removes future temptation. He removes future temptation. Living right is a good beginning. Removing negative is definitely what we do, but it's not all that what we do. But it's not less than that. 
right? We need to get rid of the false things in our life. We need to get rid of those things perpetuating our sin, getting in our way of following after God. But we also need to get rid of the future. How can we get to where we're going if we don't move, right? If we don't change. How, I mean, how silly is it really to expect to get to a different result by doing the same things? Yeah, right? Do your work. Find what habits form. Find the habits that are getting in your way. And maybe getting up earlier. Going to bed earlier, right? Ben Franklin famously said, I always take, I always sleep in at the beginning of the night. Right? I always sleep in the beginning of the night. He tags it on. It may be that so you can make great choices in the morning. So you're not just rolling out when there's screaming kids in your ear. I don't know if it happens in your house. Uh, but you know, every once in a while. Um, but it, it comes along. We need to do something different. He protected all the way through future temptations. And this is what is said about him after all of those things. Never before had there been a king like Josiah who turned to the Lord with all of his heart and his soul and his strength, obeying all the laws of Moses. And there has never been a king like him since. I could go through the lineage of people that this person is talking about. David and Solomon and Saul, to name a few. Great leaders, great men. Some even named a man after God's own heart. And he did better? You want to change your world? You want to see amazing things move? I would want to be called that. I don't know about you, but that sounds, man, if I could inscribe that on a tombstone, if that was given to me as a title, talking about me someday, I, I can't even imagine it. God is ready. In fact, this verse even tells you how to do it. Right? It doesn't just say because he was cool. All right? Because he was, he was good looking. It says, like Josiah, who turned to the Lord with all of his heart, with all of his soul and strength. All, once again, doesn't exaggerate. It's exactly the truth. All. He gave it all. A commitment started with himself, and then it came to your circle. I'm sure you may be going, cool, Nate. I'm not king. Yeah? I'm not even president, all right? I'm not senator or anything that I would find to be powerful. You have a circle. You have a circle around. Here, I love my title. I absolutely love my title because family pastor shows the significance that the whole unit makes. I take care of kids, I help with kids, I help lead those things. But my greatest joy is to see families lead themselves. My favorite thing is when a mom or a dad calls me to tell me about the salvations conversations they've had with their kids, that they feel prepared, that they feel ready for those things, or that they get so excited. Today I'm even having a baptism conversation with, with, a, with a couple and their son, and I'm so excited today. But I'll tell you this right now, I'll tell you the conclusion, will not be in my heart, though I will be asking God to reveal to me the truth. It will be in theirs, because he is inside their circle of responsibility. He is inside that. You have a circle of responsibility. What are you going to do when you hear the word of God? Are you listening? Are you using the book, the atlas, the GPS? Are you actually opening it? I think we all know 
what would happen if we decided to close our GPS halfway through our trip. Right? We wouldn't end up where we're supposed to go. Right? Because we know the last turns are just as important as the first ones. That getting all the way is important. The Bible is full of men and women that followed God somewhat and got to the end and made a choice under their own power. I will tell you the root of all misleadings, plans and pivots on you deciding if you're in charge or if he's in charge, right? But when you put you in charge, I, it, it, this is not to dog you, it's not to put you down. You misusing the beautiful, amazing, all-powerful, all-knowing, all-loving God of the universe as your guide. And he has given us not just this, but a Holy Spirit inside of us to help guide us. He's called the great counselor. Why? Because we need a guide. We need to know when to do and when to not do. A lot of people struggle when they're looking for life advice when to open this. Um, I have a four-year-old, and sometimes I help him build things, right? He helps me, helps me build things, right? Watching him swing a hammer is a little bit of a, right? But the reason I let him swing a hammer is not for today. I let him swing a hammer is for tomorrow. If you don't know how to use it, it's going to feel clunky. I'm not going to lie to you, all right? Daily devotionals, those moments where you get going with it, it's going to feel, I don't know about this because it's new, it's new, but I'm telling you, this will, this will accelerate you. King Josiah was doing pretty good. He was, he was making some good forms, and he might eventually gotten to a spot where he made the kingdom better. But when he got to the word of God and he responded appropriately, this is what's said about him. That was one year of his life. He changed everything in one year of his life. Where will you be at in a year? Maybe planning a family vacation, right? Maybe putting those things back into play. But I want, I want to put it to you in this way. And, 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 and the book of James really puts it into us. And I hope, I hope it touches you and tenders you, not, not destroys you. But, but it, it didn't hurt me, but it, man, made me ask some serious questions. And I want to read it to you because I think it's not just speaking to King Josiah, Right? It's not speaking to the third party. It's, it, it's speaking to us. James is writing to those that want to follow Jesus. And he says it like this. Understand this, my dear brothers and sisters. You must all be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to get angry. Human anger does not produce the righteousness God desires. So get rid of all the filth and evil in your lives. And humbly accept the word of God that he has planted in your hearts for it has the power to save your souls. Don't just listen to God's word. You must also do what it says. Otherwise, you're only fooling yourself. For if you listen to the word and don't obey, it's like glancing at your face in the mirror. You see yourself walk away and forget what you look like. But if you look carefully into the perfect law that sets you free, and if you do what it says and don't forget what you have heard, then God will bless you for doing it. If you claim to be religious, but don't control your tongue, you are fooling yourself, and your religion is worthless. Oof. Pure and genuine religion in the sight of God the Father means caring for orphans and widows in their distress and refusing to let the world 
corrupt you. I, I can't say it more plainly. It encases everything. It's not just what you use, it's how you use it. But you have to use it. You have to get to it. You have to become reformed for God. How does it look? Slow to anger. Controlling of your tongue. Ooh, I don't, I don't control my tongue all the time. It gets me in more trouble than any other part of my body. Right? And I trip over a lot of things. But my tongue the most. James gets right at it, doesn't he? What is God telling you today? What is God speaking in your heart today? What does he want for you to choose to follow, for you to choose to do? Listen, I want to take some next steps with you, all right? I want you to know that I am writing these on my heart today. The first one is to be a person of the word, mastering, not just owning a copy. I'm more than confident that everyone at least has access to one. I will make a statement right now. If you need one, you don't have access to one. That's okay. We literally have copies right back in our VIP room today. We will give you, if you want one for your neighbor, we'll give you two. We want you to have the word of God in your hands because we believe it will change your life. The second part I want to commit to is to apply it to your daily living as you walk in love and reform. One of my favorite conversations to have with people is when they say things like, you wouldn't have liked me when, when I was like this. And I rejoice in that because that means God has changed them, right? That means God has changed them. Sometimes putting a pen in your day and looking back and going, Lord, oh, I, you have done amazing things is enough for the day, okay? That can be your entire devotional. But when we really see what God is changing and moving in the side, I only think the only response left is to thank him for what he has given to us and what he has sent to us because you see, he gave us something that we could not ask for, for salvation in Jesus. My last point is a prayer and, and I want you to know that you can pray this even if you've never heard the word of God before even if this is your first time or maybe the first time even online, that, that, that you've heard this message that God wants you and God needs you to be, to be made whole. He, he desires that so much that he did something extraordinary. He sent his son to pay for our debt. The prophecy was clear that consequences have action. The Bible is clear that the wages of sin, that means the cost of sin is death. It doesn't change it if you're an American, doesn't change it if you're a man or a woman, doesn't change it if you, if you pay enough money to the church, doesn't. What changes it is somebody else taking the sacrifice and paying for it. Jesus did that. The Son of God was sent to rescue us, to change us. So this prayer we're gonna do together, I want you to take a moment and one, pray it today, but also take the moment and, and look in your heart. And maybe this is your first time. I want to invite you, is this your first time praying for something like this? I wanna raise your hand because I wanna pray with you. 
all right? I, our prayer team will be forward if this is your first time as well, but I wanna pray with this together. So if you'll bow, bow your heads as I read this together. God, I stand ready to hear from you. Help me to hear what you're saying so that I don't miss what you want to reveal to me on this journey. Lord, today in this room, we're all on a journey that you are leading us. It might even be the one in our living room at home or on the road as we listen. I want you to know that God has a plan for you, that God has a pathway for you. He wants to see you forever changed. You are not too far from God. Josiah had everything against him, and yet he changed a whole nation by his choices. If this is your first time praying and you want to gain that saving power, I want you to pray this prayer with me in your I have messed up. I am not living right. I want to become what you have for me. Today, I say, you are in charge of my life. Renew me. Make me new today. I will forever follow you. In Jesus' name, amen. If you pray that prayer, I would love to see your hand today. Even if you didn't, that's okay too. We all need to renew for that. We all need to know that he has made us and wants a plan for us, right? Amen? He wants to see us forever changed. The altar is about to be open. You can do it right in your seats. You, can, you, you don't have to go anywhere, but I encourage you, don't just make it a today thing. Make it a week thing. Make it a month thing. Start your day off every day going, God, what do you have for me? And look in his word and discover it today. So will you stand with us as we are invited? Hurting and broken 